too. Y'all can go ahead and turn to Isaiah chapter 41. I think I'm more nervous right now because there's not many people here than I would be if there's a whole church. <laughs> I got a little bit here to read. And Isaiah chapter 41. I want to start in the ninth verse. They talked about going out and witnessing to people. The Saturdays, we're going to do that. That's been on my heart. And I've read in here, and I'm going to get on into that after a while. But I was sitting there, and the devil's been telling me the whole time I was sitting there that I, ain't, I shouldn't say none of this because there's not a whole lot of people here, and there's no point in saying it. But, but uh, starting in the ninth verse, it says, Thou whom I have taken from the ends of the earth, and called thee from the chief men thereof, and said unto thee, Thou art my servant, I have chosen thee, and not cast thee away. And uh, when I read that, I started thinking about how the Lord has brought each one of us and put us all together in this church. And he's taken from the ends of the earth, and called thee from the chief men thereof and said unto thee thou art my servant I have chosen thee he's chosen each one of us to be in this church for a purpose he's put us all here for a reason and uh, I was thinking about that and I was thinking about how Bailey when she moved here they just pretty much randomly moved here from Colorado just randomly moved here and now that we got married she goes to Mount Moriah and it's just how he puts us all together for a reason. Mm-hmm. Just like mm-hmm. Megan and Josh, when they went to, Megan's went to Welcome Grove, and then now they're, she's went there her whole life, and now they came to church here, and Josh is now a deacon, and mm-hmm. just, we're all here for a reason. Right. And uh, I don't have any notes. <laughs> well, pretty much he told me not to worry about the notes, but he'll get it to me when I need it. <laughs> Amen. I usually have notes and I have something to go by. But uh, I was thinking about how he brought us all here for a reason. This may sound weird to y'all, but I started thinking about how uh, you take a motor and a vehicle and each part, it all plays a part. You say you have a motor and you take the battery out of it, that motor's not it's not going to start, nothing's going to happen. And I started thinking about how each one of us plays a part. And each one of us, like Brian always says, each one of us may hold the key to the service. It's like if you take the starter off, you take the starter off and you have a battery, it still ain't going to crank. you got to have each part, and you may be that part that holds the key to all the service, to the service. It's like if you take a motor and scattered all the pieces all over this room, it's not going to run. But when you get all everybody together, in the church and they're doing their part and you get that motor together everything's going to work just like it needs to yeah. and uh i was thinking about that and i was thinking about how here lately everybody's been seems like everybody's been doing their part and they're getting themselves out of the way and wanting to do for the lord and it just 
seems like the church's motor's been running in here. Amen. I was thinking about that, and it goes into verse 10. It says, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, I will help thee, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. You know, we get ourselves out of the way and do for him. He's right there with us no matter what. He'll, he'll be with us and he'll strengthen us and he'll help us through whatever we need him to help us through. And uh, that's where I was getting into how it feels like the church's motor's just been running here lately. We've been doing what we need to and now we're to the point where we're going to go out and start witnessing people. And uh, thing about that, we're, when we go out, he's still going to be with us. He'll, he'll help us through whatever we need help with, and he'll be right there. I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. He'll be, I will help thee. He'll be with us no matter what. And we, If we just get ourselves out of the way, we need to keep ourselves to the side and just stay focused on him going out and witnessing you know it's easy to it's easy to step back in the way of his plan and when you when you do that it could be that you say the wrong thing you just need to make sure we get ourselves pushed away that we, we have our eyes set on him and set on his will so that he can work through us and tell us what needs to be said these people because I could go up to the door and say one wrong thing and just keep them from going to church at all. Mm -hmm. As long as it's what the Lord wants us to say, then it's up to them. Mm -hmm. If you go on down there to the 13th verse, it says, For I, the Lord thy God, will uphold, will hold thy right hand, saying unto thee, Fear not, I will help thee. When we go up to these doors or go up to wherever we go, talk to these people, he's going to be right there holding their hand and carrying us exactly where we need to go. It just goes back to getting out of the way and doing what he, doing his plan. And once we, once we go out and talk to all these people and witness to these people, this is what I was, there's not many people hearing this. I was wanting everybody to hear this, I reckon. But, uh, I've been excited about all this right here. I told Bailey about it, and we talked about it, and that's what I was thinking. There's not many people here, so maybe I wasn't supposed to say anything. That's the devil just trying to get me to sit down and be quiet. But uh, but when we go out and do this, it's just really important to get yourself out of the way and let mm-hmm. the Lord work for you that you say what he wants you to say and not say what you want to say. Because that's two completely different things. And uh, with this on down in 17, verse 17, it says, When the poor and needy seek water and there is none, their tongue faileth for thirst. I, the Lord, will hear them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. I will open up rivers and high places and fountains in the midst of the valley. I will make the wilderness a pool of water and the dry land springs of water. I will plant in the wilderness the cedar, the sheeta tree, the myrtle, and the old tree. I will set in the desert the fir tree and the pine and the box tree together, that they may see and know and consider and understand together that the hand of the Lord hath done this, and the Holy One of Israel hath created it. You know, in those four verses right there, I was thinking about when we 
and we go out and we do the Lord's will and we say what he wants us to say and we have ourselves out of the way, we've done our part and it's up to them to, to turn to the Lord and realize, like in 20 it says, that they may see and know and consider and understand that the hand of the Lord has done this. That they would understand that he is the Lord of, Lord of everything. He's created everything and that they just need to turn to him for guidance and for everything. And as long as we do the Lord's will when we go out and have ourselves out of the way and say what he wants us to say, it's we feel like we would have our part done, not done, but we would do the part of getting it to them, that they would know exactly where they need to go. And that's what in 17 it said, when the poor and needy seek water, no, it ain't talk, I don't, I may get something completely different than everybody in here, but when I read all this, uh, it came to me, when the poor and needy seek water, it's not talking about poor and money, it's talking about poor with salvation. Amen. When we get that word out there to them, and they, you know, it just touches a nerve in them, that they, that they need to turn to the Lord, you know, when, when they seek that water, when they seek salvation, you know, it goes down, the Lord will hear them, and I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. You know, if we get that word out there to them, that they may, that it may touch their hearts and turn them toward the Lord, the Lord won't let them down. He'll be right there with them. And it says, I will open up rivers and high places and fountains in the midst of the valley. I will make the wilderness a pool of water and the dry land springs of water. You know, he'll go he'll go where he needs to go to bring them to him. Just like in Matthew and Luke, I think it's in two different spots where he talks about he'll leave the ninety-nine to get the one. You know, he'll go out to where he needs to go to bring that one to him. As long as we it all goes back to as long as we get ourselves out of the way to do what the Lord wants and say what the Lord wants us to do and not what we want to do because it may be the wrong thing. That's that's really about all I have. Maybe it makes sense to somebody. Yeah, you know how you said we're gonna go out here and talk. You know we can plant that seed, but it's whether they let the seed grow. Mm -hmm. You know whether or not they come to visit or whether or not they live to go sit on else. They've got to be here to go see the Lord. You know? Yep. As long as we get that seed planted in us, carry to them. There's reasons he brought us all together. You know, Danny, he, he passed many churches on the way here. I know Matt and Amanda sure also passed churches on the way here. You know, Alex, he didn't have to come. You know, he, he didn't, he could have stayed at home. I mean, he didn't, he drove 30 minutes just so he could be a part of this service because he enjoys this service because he knows God's here. He knows that he's working here, and he knows he's got a place that he needs to be, and God's put him here for a reason. He's put us all here for a reason. He put my wife in my life for a reason. It's like he put Bailey in your life for a reason. No matter how many struggles we all each had to get where we're at, we, we're still here. And one day, 
God's going to make this place full. I know it. As long as we continue doing what he wants us to do. Mm-hmm. Also, like you said, there ain't many people here. Doesn't matter because as soon as I, as soon as this service ends, I'm gonna be posting that on the page. That way, my wife and the others who ain't here can hear it. Because that's what I do it that for. I do it for Jason or. Kendall or whoever else can't be in on Wednesday night service. I want them to be a part of it, even though they're not here right now. They can still be a part of our service. It's always recording. and I talked this week I think it was yesterday it was yesterday he told me where the Lord was kind of leading me and I got I got to work today and I went and read this chapter it's been a while since I read it and I like I like the seventh verse there and it goes along with what Levi's talking about the seventh verse says so the carpenter encouraged the goldsmith and he that smoothed with the hammer, him that smote the anvil, saying, It is ready for soldering, and he that fastened it with nails, that it should not be moved. It's, I like that verse because there's a lot of components there that's, that's going together, and there's a lot of people in the pot there to, to make what we're talking about here. It kind of reminds me of our church, uh, each individual piece, uh, it's kind of like a chessboard. Each individual piece is, is very important. Um, and, uh, uh, sometimes you make the best moves with your pawn pieces. If you know, and you all know about chess. Pawn pieces are little tiny ones that really don't count for a whole lot of points or, or uh, they're really not of really high importance, it doesn't seem like. But you make some of the best moves with your pawn pieces. Well, on a chessboard, those pawn pieces can be just as powerful as any piece on the board. Just as powerful as a queen or a king or a knight, whatever it may be. Uh, I like that verse because it reminds me of, of how important each person in the church house is, no matter what you're doing. No matter if you just shake somebody's hand in the morning and tell them you love them. You know, the Lord sees that and the Lord knows what kind of work you're doing. And, and whether you know it or not, if you wasn't here, that would be missed. Your job would be missed. Lord has a work to do for everyone. But, uh, what you may think is small is a big is a big work for the Lord. I enjoyed it for that. Yeah, you talk about everybody's thing, like you sure went here. We're gonna play the piano. You went here to play the guitar. Mike went here to play the piano. Thinking we all have that part, and we all come together and do our part. That motor can start. Huh? 
Turn your Bibles to the book of Luke. Say a couple times tonight, there's our numbers are down because we got a lot of people going to, to beta and whatever it may be. But I'm not gonna let that get in the way of me getting the blessing from the Lord. I don't, I don't care if there's three people here, uh, I'm still gonna get what the Lord's got in store for me, and I hope that you feel the same way. Uh, I know sometimes uh, you've got couple key people it seems like that that like to testify and like to uh, get excited for the Lord when they're not here it seems like it's a little hard to worship him it seems like we ain't got enough fire to get the fire rolling there uh, but, but you can be you can be the spark that, that ignites the fire like uh, I think believe I was saying you can be the keys to the service you can be the one that gets everybody excited As I said, I don't care how many's here. Uh, he's good with four people, and he's good with four hundred. Thirteenth uh, verse is where we're going to start at. Thirteenth verse, twenty-fourth chapter of Luke. <clears throat> I'm just going to read it all the way through. <clears throat> it says, "And behold, two of them went the same day to a village." Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem about three score furlongs. Three score, three score furlongs is 60 furlongs. 60 furlongs is seven miles. People that really want to know furlong is. About seven miles away. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. Now, what had happened before in your Bibles here? 
if you go back and you read chapter 23, you see uh, crucifixion of Christ. He's, he's been buried. Uh, and this particular scripture here is actually on the third day. This is the, the third day uh, when Christ uh, rose up. So there we got what happened in verse 14. They talked together of these things which had happened. So you have two men traveling to Amos talking about what had happened. And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. Verse 16 says, But their eyes were holding that they should not know him. Uh, I looked up the word holding. Holding means to set aside, reserve, or retain, or to keep in a specific state is the definition of holding. So, verse 16 said, but their eyes were holding that they should not know him. So they've got, they're walking along this road, or we'll break it down in redneck terms for you. They're walking along this road, and they're going uh, to this town that's seven miles away from Jerusalem. They're bebopping along, and they're just talking. And it says that Jesus just kind of walked up with them. It says their eyes were holding, so they really didn't pay a whole lot of attention to him. Uh, it says they knew him not. They didn't know who it was. Verse 17, and he said unto them, What manner of communications are these that you have one to another as you walk and are sad? 18 says, And one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answering said to him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem, and hast not known the things which are come to pass there in these days? Verse 9, 19 says, and, and he said unto them, What things? Now I find that uh, some good humor in this. Uh, our Lord has got a good sense of humor. Uh, it, right here, and he does it to, to show them a lesson. But. So they're walking along, they're bebopping down the road. Christ walks up behind them, and uh, it says that the men are engaged in conversation with each other, and they're kind of talking back and forth. Well, what was they talking about? They's probably talking about Jesus. They's probably talking about what had just happened. They'd just seen him be crucified. They'd just seen him get put into the to the grave, and the stone rolled over it. Uh, that was the topic of what they was talking about. Christ comes up on them, and, and he kind of sees them. And, and notice in verse 17 there it says, uh, it says, And these you have one to another as you walk and are sad. So they're sad. What are they sad about? They're sad because Christ had died and was in the grave, and they didn't believe that he had been resurrected yet. They didn't believe that he'd come back from the dead. They were sad. Their master was gone. So Christ asked them, he says, uh, what are y'all talking about? He says, he says, what are y'all talking about? They don't know who he is. He's just a stranger to them. What are y'all talking about? <clears throat> 19 says, and he said to them, what things? And they said unto him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet, mighty indeed, and the word before God and all the people 
how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have him crucified. So they're telling Christ what happened to him. He's, he's listening to them speak about him. But verse 21, you know, in verse 17 it said they were sad, which made us believe that they were unbelieving that he had risen. In verse 21, pay attention here, it says, but we trusted, it's past tense, trusted, that, he, that it had been, which is past tense, he which should have redeemed Israel. And beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. So no, they don't believe. They don't believe, clearly. We trusted. He should have. It had been. They're let, men that are let down. That's why it said they were sad. 22 says, Ye a certain woman also of our company made us astonished, which were early at the sepulchre which is the grave tomb. And when they found not his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels which said that he was alive. Certain of them which were with us went to the sepulcher and found it even so as the woman had said, but he they saw not. So, I like to picture this in my mind of what's going on here, and they're telling Christ of what's happened, and they're telling them these are disciples that's left Jerusalem waiting on the Lord to come back from the grave. They're telling Christ this story, his story. And notice what Christ says to him right here in the 25th verse. In the 25th verse. says, Then he said unto them, O fools, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? It says, And began in Moses's, in Moses's and all the prophets he expounded unto them in all the scriptures and the things concerning himself. And they drew near unto the village whither they went, and he made as though he would have gone further. So he's told them. They've told Christ the story and what's going on. They told them what uh, should have happened, what they really wanted to happen. He pretty much told them why they was, uh, they was sad walking down this road. They just think they're talking to a stranger. Uh, but then Christ answers back and calls them fools and slow of heart. And slow, it says a slow heart to believe. And then he tells them that this is what was supposed to happen. This was the, the, this was the Father's will that Christ should come and die for your sins. And he reminds them of Scripture. <clears throat> and then 28, they're, they're walking, and they get to where they're going, wherever they're staying. And Christ, which is the stranger, kind of moseys along, and he acts like he's going to keep going. But 29 says, but they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. Let's go ahead and read the whole thing out. And it came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, he took bread and blessed it, 
and bake and break and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. And they said to one another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way, and while he opened to us the scriptures? So there's pretty much the end of the story. It goes on in 33, 34, and 35. And it says, uh, it says they rose up the same hour and returned to Jerusalem, found the eleven gathered, <clears throat> and them that were with them, saying, The Lord is risen indeed, and hath appeared to Simon. And they told what things were done in the way, and how he was known of them in the breaking of bread. So what gets me about this story here, and what the Lord's really speaking to me is, these men were kind of mosling along, sad, depressed, Whatever their state was. It says there they were sad and very disappointed. And then the stranger kind of walked in, which was Christ. Ain't it good that we, have, we serve a Savior that when you feel lonely, depressed, and sad, and you're walking down the road with your buddy and just kind of talking about it, and just, I don't know what we're going to do, and this hopeless situation that he just kind of trots on along. And sneaks on up in, in there with you. I like how the Lord played a, kind of played a game with them a little bit. He didn't tell them who he was. It says they didn't know who he was because they didn't believe who he was. The scary thing about this is that these two men were supposed to be men that had followed him. Who followed him, who was close with him, that learned from him personally. Like, like I'm looking at you, they learned from him. <clears throat> I'm glad that my Lord will come up when I need him. But I don't want him to be a stranger. I don't want him to have to sneak up on me and say, well, what are you talking about? Tell me about it. That's what he's what he, what he done to them. I don't want to have to talk to him like that. I don't want to be disappointed in him. I don't want to be sad. I want to know it's him. I want to know it's him. Uh, when I first started preaching, I, I, it was so hard for me. Uh, it seemed like the first time I preached because I wanted to know that it was him that I was speaking with. I wanted to make sure Mason was out of the way and I wasn't just preaching on what Mason wanted to preach on. I wanted to make sure that I was talking to him and doing what he wanted me to. I wasn't talking to no stranger. I was talking to the Lord. That's what he said to him in 25. It said that he was slow. They were slow of heart to believe all that the prophets had spoken. You notice all the, the information there, uh, kind of like Levi was talking about going out and ministering to lost people and going knocking on people's doors and inviting them to church and, and things like that. Notice what Christ told two men that it's supposed to have been following him, that it's supposed to have known him. He told them uh, concerning his death, and, and they were disappointed because they because he had left them and they didn't believe that he had resurrected yet. He told them, he said, this is the way it should be. 
This is what the scriptures said. This is what all the way back hundreds and hundreds of years, all the way to in Genesis and Exodus and Deuteronomy, portraying Christ through this whole book. He said, this is the way it was supposed to be. Do you not know? No, they didn't. It said he expounded unto them all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. He told them all the scriptures about Christ. He told them all the scriptures about his coming, about how he would have to die, how men would put him up on a trial and, and convict, convict him of a crime that he didn't do because he was innocent and he would die for our sins on the cross and that he would rise up. He told them all of it. But the sad part was it was all right here for him before he had to tell them about it. It was already there in front of them. They already had scripture. Now, they may not have been a book like this right here, a Bible that we can access like we can today. I thank God that we can pick up our phone and look at our Bible on our phone. Or we can look at it, we can listen to it being read to us in the car going down the road. But back then, you had to go to a, a, a kind of like a library or a scroll thing, and you had to get people to read it, I imagine, because I don't know if people could read and write. But he said to them, you have access to the knowledge that the Father's given you. How do you not know? You walk so close with me. How do you not know? Levi was talking about going and knocking on lost people's doors. Uh, I can compare the lost with these two men. Even though these two men right here, they said they were wandering because they hadn't believed. Uh, they, I believe those two men uh, were lost. Why do I believe they were lost? Is because they didn't know who Christ was when Christ came to them. That's why I believe they were lost. But then when he broke the bread and gave it to them, they realized who he was. It says their eyes was open. Kind of like Paul on the road to Damascus. He was blinded, and then and an eyes come to him, and then his eyes was open. That was his salvation moment. This right here was the salvation moment for these two men. But what I want to point out is, is in here where Christ is saying, you have the information You've got everything you need. You had scriptures. I've even come up to you as a stranger and spoke, had to speak them to you. And you still don't believe. The lost is a, a lot like the same way. And uh, I'll just go ahead and say it. Some Christians are this way. So-called Christians are this way. They know about Christ. They've heard about him. They've heard people talk about Christ. They know some facts about Christ. Notice the men when they was walking down the road. They were talking with each other, kind of like you and a friend would talk about what was going on in the times. They were talking about him. They knew facts. They knew he, he, he died on that cross. They knew what he was here to do, but they didn't believe he resurrected. So they knew some facts. I can walk up to a lost person right now and say, uh, have you ever heard the name Jesus? He'll say, well, yeah. I've heard of Jesus. I can walk up to him and say, well, do you know what Jesus done for you? Yeah. Uh, the I've heard that that he died died for us and, and, uh, and I'm supposed to be living for him, but uh, I just... I'm not going to, I don't know if I really believe in all that stuff. That's a conversation you'll have with a lost person. I don't know if I really believe 
that he died for me. I don't know if I believe all that religious mumbo-jumbo is what you'll hear. I've heard this. If you have it, bless your heart because you're probably going to hear it sometime if you're going to do work for the Lord. They've got access to a Bible. Just like the two men that were walking. They've got access to the truth. A lost person will tell you most of the time, well, I know, I've heard about Jesus, and I know, well, so-and-so really goes to church, and his family, they're blessed, and they got all these nice things. I just don't think, I just, I just don't think it's really for me, though. They know the facts, but they won't accept the truth because they won't seek the truth. The two men could have easily, if they would have known their scriptures and known the master when they walked when he walked up to them, known his speech. <coughs> Look right here in verse 32. In verse 32 it said, And they said one to another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way? They knew. Right then when he was speaking to them, something was a little different about that stranger. Kind of like a lost person who comes into a church house and you might feel the spirit start to tug on him a little bit. And his heart get to pounding a little bit. He knows. He knows what's going on. He or she, whoever it may be, they know what's going on. They know that they've got a hold of something that's a little different. Their heart's burning. It's burning. So why didn't the men realize who Christ was when, when, when he walked up to them the first time and they were talking about him? It says at the time, when you go right here, it says their heart was burning within them. So they're walking with a stranger and they feel this, this tug, this pound on their heart. They're not sure what it is. It's because they didn't know the truth. It's so important that when we go out and we knock on people's doors, like we're going to do, and I hope I've been praying about that because we're going to need the Lord's strength to do that mm-hmm. in the world that we live in today. Mm-hmm. We're going to need it. Uh, when we go and knock on their doors, it's up to us to tell them the truth. The truth that Christ came and died for their sins on the cross and then he was buried and three days later he rose up and that you can you can even speak to your salvation story to him you can tell him he saved me when I was unworthy I come down an altar I felt the burning within my heart while I was sitting in a church pew and he tugged on me and I said oh, that's something different right there I'm scared but I think I'm going to take a step for it you can tell him what you've done You can tell him how far he's brought you. But look at the the end right here. It says, this is where a lot of Christians go go way wrong when it comes to to trying to lead lost souls to Christ. It says that uh, in verse 30, it says, It came to pass as he sat at meat with them. He took bread, blessed it, and broke, and gave it to them. And their eyes were open, and he knew, and they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. Who gave them the bread? Christ gave them the bread. The preacher didn't give them the bread. 
The Sunday school teacher didn't give them the bread. Christ gave them the bread. What I'm telling you here is that we can go knock on doors and we can beat people upside the head with this Bible as much as you possibly want to. You can go to their house and sing uh, Victory in Jesus at 4 o'clock in the morning if you want to. That's good. Go ahead and do it. I ain't going to call you crazy. But you can do that and you can, and you can pound this into their brain. But there's nothing that you can do about it. It's what he can do about it. It's what he can do about it. A lot of lost people have the intention that we just want to try to tell them how to live their lives or we want to tell them how, what to do or uh, you're just judging me for what I'm doing. Oh, I'm not judging you. I care about your soul. I want to see you one day. I don't want you to have to go to a place called hell and burn for forever. Amen. It's not because I, I'm trying to tell you how to live. It's because I care about you and I love you. Where some Christians go wrong is they think they can they can give the bread out. Uh, they repeat after knees and, and uh, say this prayer and you're saved. And, uh, Christ gives the bread. I like. We plant the seed, and he gives the increase. But I love this story right here because these two men, and it really hits it really hits home for me when I read it because it's two men that were supposed to be with him. With him. I announced my calling to preach a couple of years ago. Uh, you can look at me and say, well, he follows Christ very well, uh, or whatever you want to say, or he don't follow him as good as he should, or whatever, whatever you want to say about me. But I never walked physically with Christ. I never sat down and got to sit here and listen to him audibly tell me about what he had been sent to do. I didn't watch him die on a cross. I didn't watch him come out of the grave. He didn't walk up to me as a stranger. If it can happen to them, it can happen to you. Amen. It can happen to you. So as we go out, and for those of you that are not, don't have any kind of clue what's going on as far as going out, we're one day... What day? The 29th. That's a Saturday, right? We're going to meet up here, and we're going to go around this neighborhood, and we're going to knock on people's doors, and we're going to ask them to come to church. Not because we want to beat them in the head with this book, but because we love them. Because we love them and we care about them. And we want them to know that there is a Savior that loves them. It loves them. We don't want them to be sad and walking and disappointed with their lives and headed to a place called hell with, with no, no, thinking they have no purpose in life. I don't want that for anyone. I hope you don't either. Christ tells us we should love everybody, everyone we come in contact with, every person. takes an extreme, extreme amount of love 
It takes a lot of prayer. It takes a lot of devotion to Him to go knock on someone's door and say, hey, I just want to tell you that I love you. And I want to invite you to our church. That takes some strength. It takes some boldness. It takes some preparation. It takes knowledge of the Word. I love him tonight. I thank him that, that he's not a stranger when he comes my way. He's not a stranger. You notice the, the guys right here, when he was going to go walk off, when they, when they said that their hearts was burning inside them, and they said that as they was walking down the road and they came near the place where they was going to stop and stay, and Christ just kind of kept going. They said, whoa, whoa, whoa. Abide. We've heard that word a couple times over the past couple of weeks. Abide with us. Come in here with us. Don't keep going. Come in here with us. Christ has a drawing effect. The Spirit that He pours down on us has a drawing effect that just pulls you in. It pulls you in, but for a lost person, it may seem like a strange feeling. One they've probably never felt before. They don't know what the feeling really is. The men say it was a burning in our hearts. Burning in our hearts. I love how they told him to abide with them. And then he opened their eyes. Church, all we can do is pray and pray and pray and pray. And seek his guidance. And seek what it is he would have us to say when we knock on the door. Now seek what it is he'd have you to do when the son of work comes up to you and the top of the Christ gets brought up. Uh, we're to be prepared to give an account. To be prepared to tell him what he's done for us. And we're going to let him give the increase. I can tell you right now, I have never in my life knocked on somebody's door and said, let me tell you about Jesus. I haven't. Have any of y'all knocked on somebody's door and said, let me tell you about Jesus? Nope. Nobody in the room? Yeah, I have. You have. Bless you, brother. I don't know about y'all, but I've been praying about it hard. Because in a way, you say, well, you preach the Word. I preach the word, but I'm in a house full of people that's supposed to be worshiping the Lord. Mm -hmm. I'm not knocking on doors for people that don't want to hear it. It's a hard thing to do to try to minister to someone who doesn't want to hear it. Strength and faith and prayer and leaning on Him, that's what gives you the power to do it. That's what gives you the power to do it. That's what gives you the words to say. Our goal is to spread his gospel and get them somewhere where they might hear the word, a song, a testimony that's spirit-filled so that Christ can come their way. That's our mission. 
Some people adopted it and think, well, it's my mission to, to get you and, and drag you here and baptize you and save you all in one. That's my job to do. That's not your job to do. That's, that's Christ's job to do is to save your soul. So I, I ask you, uh, 29th may seem a little far away. I ask you, at least when you lay down at night and you say your nighttime prayer, say a prayer for those that's going to meet here on that Saturday and go knock on doors. Say a prayer that you don't turn into the two men that are doubtful. That when Christ comes their way and tells them, tries to talk to him, and then he asks them what's going on. And they talk to him. They like, don't even know who he is. Pray that you don't turn into that person. Pray that you seek him so much that, that, that any kind of slight little hint of the Spirit, you just grab a hold of it real quick. I can tell you right now, and I'm, I'm not ashamed to tell you because I'm, I know I'm not the only person in the room that's done it. I've felt the Spirit before and not moved a single inch. And I missed the blessing from it. We read, I'm going to say this right here, and I'm going to close. <clears throat> I read, a, it's in a Bible, Bible plan, that thing that we've done this week, and I don't know if it was today's or yesterday's, but it said, the title is Praying Dangerously. In other words, they're saying praying prayers that, that might make you check up, hit your brakes a little bit, and, and look at yourself and say, well, maybe I didn't do that right. Uh, it's, but in there today, it was saying, that it challenged you to, to seek God so much that you asked him to look in you and see if there's anything that needs cleaned up or there's any other way you can do something or if there's anything that might be impure, if there's anything that might have offended a brother, if there's anything you've done, it said to seek him and ask him and pray that prayer. Because that was a dangerous prayer. That was the title of the thing. Uh, I can tell you those prayers are hard. Uh, knocking on people's doors is hard. Ministering to someone that you don't, that you know does not want to hear it is hard. But it's all worth it. Like Levi said, if, they, if that one soul gets saved. It, the scripture it says when one soul is saved all of heaven rejoices yeah. all of heaven rejoices because one person gave their life to the Lord it's worth it it's worth it the work you have to do is worth it the persecution the getting made fun of it's worth it So y'all pray for the 29th. Pray for that day. I believe the Lord is going to use his people to touch some souls, to maybe plant a seed where they lay down at night and they say, well, you know, that church over there down the road cared enough about me to, to come to me and say, hey, I just want to invite you to church. They've got something going on over there. I, got, I reckon. I, you know, I hadn't had nobody knock on my door in 30 years. It could be that person. It could be somebody that's just sitting there waiting for a knock on the door. Nobody does that anymore. 
Nobody goes around and tries to get people in church anymore. Nobody ministers to anyone anymore. I'm guilty as anybody else in this room. It's time that we go to work and we start working. No matter how bad we don't want to do it. I'll tell you, when I knock on the first door Saturday, I'll be scared to death. I don't know who it is. But I can tell you one thing. When I tell them who Jesus is, I can personally tell them that I gave my life to him one day and I ain't never been the same since. What he done for me inside. I can tell them that. Because it's worth it. It's worth getting in. Let them hear your story. Invite them to church. Tell them what he done for you. Because it's worth it. They're worth it. Their soul was worth it. If Jesus would leave the 99 to find the one, surely we could knock on a door and tell them what he done for us. That's all I have tonight. And if Josh or Sharon, if y'all want to get a song... We can have an altar call. If, if you feel like you need to talk to the Lord tonight, if you feel a little burn in your heart there, maybe you need to straighten something up, you can come down here, and I promise He'll meet you here. If you don't have that to pray for, if, if you feel like uh, the Lord's just leading you to come down here and pray for what we're going to do that Saturday, I ask you to come down here and pray for it. Because we need it. The fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Uh, we need those prayers. I believe in those prayers. I believe in those prayers uh, that, that were prayed for me when I was lost. Yeah. When I was a lost man and my mama would pray for me and my daddy would pray for me and my grandmother and my papa. Yeah. I thank God for those prayers. Because that could have been what got me in the church house that day. I love him tonight. As, as they sing, if you have a need,